Hello and welcome to the Longball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You're listening to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Barney. How are you doing, Barney? Has it been a good week? Yeah, it's been a good week. Um, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm tired. The equivalent, I would say, is um, I'd be thrown up uh, after the bleep tests in pre-season. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> too many pastas and atters. Yeah, I think we need to get our podcast stamina back up. We've only done one 15-minute <laughs> episode. We need to get back into yeah. the swing of things. Yeah, no, I feel like, um, especially for this episode, man, it could be a could be a big one. Absolutely. Well, yeah, as you said, welcome to the inaugural Longball Football Season Preview Show. It's the first time we've attempted to do this. It's a bit of a mammoth undertaking. We're going to attempt to preview every single club seasons. Uh, we're going to take it club by club from top to bottom, how they finished last year. And we've actually got a very special guest coming up who's going to talk to us about the newly promoted teams, but we'll say a little bit more about that uh, later. First thing I want to say to Barney, obviously we put out the uh, the teaser show last week. We had a really great response. So I just want to say thank you to everyone on Twitter and thank you to everyone who listened to for uh, getting involved. We had some very nice comments and uh, we really do appreciate that. I'm going to do a little bit of podcast housekeeping, something me and Barney talk about doing all the time that we never do. We always hear other podcasts saying things like, please, can you leave us a review or a little rating? We always forget to do it. So we're going to remember to do it this season. Uh, if you are on Apple Podcasts, a little review or something or a little star rating. Apparently, these things help us become more popular in the charts and things like that. So yeah, if you have a couple of seconds to do something like that, we would really appreciate it. And we, uh, we really appreciate everybody sticking with us and coming back for our second season. Absolutely, and it was just just letting your friends know, just sharing it with people. Like I think yeah. that's the best way because um, I, I love doing this as well. We had a great first season. Um, yeah, we didn't expect to be doing a second season. I think after the first two episodes, we're like, oh, maybe this isn't going. I don't think we expected to be doing five episodes. <laughs> <laughs> but here we are. Here we are back again. And well, the season's pretty much kicked off. Obviously, yesterday to give the listeners a little view behind the scenes, it's Sunday morning. Uh, so we just watched the Super Tassa last night between Sporting and Braga. What a game to kick off the season, man. It was just so exciting. Uh, some great football, great moments. Uh, and it was great just to get a first glimpse of some of the best teams in the league. Yeah, and just and the scenes in the stadium, they were oh. they were ridiculous, weren't they? With the fans. So nice to see. Credit to both sets of fans because I thought both sets really contributed to the atmosphere. Um, obviously sporting one in the end and and it would have been easy for the Braga fans to be down high but you saw them singing away chanting jumping up and down right until uh, the very last moment so yeah credit to both sets of fans you could feel the atmosphere through the screen obviously we've had a little bit of fans in the stadium for the Euros so it was nice to see that but I think it's been a long time it feels like a long time since we've watched Portuguese football with with fans in the stadium well for us Albert it's really we we haven't seen it at all last season I mean that's when mm. we first probably watching games in this league and you know it's only really dawned on me last night that we haven't had that element and and we you know Portuguese football is exciting to watch Portuguese football fans have so much passion for the game it's easy to forget like you know I, I don't think you would see scenes like that for a Burnley Crystal Palace game in the Premier League say do you, do you know what I mean like sure it's, it's a different sort of atmosphere it's it's a lot more passionate I feel and I can't wait to see more of that for the season coming up oh man that's a great point it's like a whole part of the football culture that that drew us to this country that we haven't really been able to see so yeah can't wait to get that at every game this season. Let's talk a little bit about the game, though, Barney, because obviously it was the first chance we got to see to check out some of these teams. Both teams, very similar lineups from last season. There hasn't been much turnaround. We'll come on to, to that side of things more in the future, but man, Sporting looked unreal. I was Sporting. so impressed, man. Braga went ahead. They looked good in that first half, but honestly, the moment Sporting got that goal back, I thought they were on top, and I was so impressed. They looked frightening. Yeah, I mean... Pfft. 
Cabral as well. I, you mm. know, he hadn't didn't get many opportunities last season, but yeah, uh, he on fire. Pedro Gonzalez's goal, of course, was just yeah. an absolute treat. Screamer. It was just it was just really really good quality, wasn't it? And um, I think that's always. I don't know if the equivalent in the, here in England is the the Community Shield, where like yeah. you know it, it's not a good game. It's very no. rarely a good game, is it? And this was a real treat, I think. Um, and I think both the captains at the beginning of the game, you know, going back to the fans, sort of um, thanked them for being there, made a few nice comments, and I think that's what ma- that's what gave the the game that 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 passionate energy. Oh man, it's just I've I've got the taste for it now. I I, yep. I really can't wait. Well, we hope our listeners do too. That's exactly why we're doing this show. We want to get everyone back in the mood for football. We've had a great week making these notes. We've been making notes all week. Every team up and down the division, how we think they're going to do their transfers, what they're expecting for the season. Uh, so yeah, stick around because it's going to be a long one. If you're just interested in your own team, I'm going to put the timestamps in the bottom where you can jump ahead and find out what we've got to say about your team. But over the next hour or so, we're going to be running through every single team in a division preview in their season. Before we get onto that though, Barney, there's just one very last thing we have to talk about. A sad moment for the podcast. I hope you can tell by the tone of my voice. A moment of silence, please, for the departure of Ryan Gould, who this week finalised his move to the Vancouver Whitecaps. I would genuinely like to wish all the best to Ryan. I know we've had a little laugh and a joke about wanting him to stay in Portugal and, and what he could achieve in Europe. But, you know, forget all of that. Couldn't care less, man. Just just go out there, go and smash it. Get yourself to the World Cup next year and and, and good luck, man. Yeah, best luck to you. I mean, um... I think a few listeners will be relieved. Yeah, we, we're just saying this now. We're drawing a line under it. That's yeah. it. This is the last you'll hear from us about Ryan Gould, um, unless he comes back, obviously next season. But, um, but yeah, sad times. But it just felt real yesterday, didn't it? It, it, feel it probably real. hit us. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not ashamed to say I shed a tear. <laughs> <laughs> right. Look, let's not waste any more time. Uh, let's get straight onto it. We're going to run through each team in the order that they finished in the division last year from top to bottom. We're going to talk about what kind of players they've been signing, who's been leaving, the ins and outs, who they might need, what they're going to expect from this season and a little bit of our own predictions. So let's crack on with sporting. And for me, Barney, there's not really been many big signings in or out. I think we expected some players to leave. Obviously, Nuno Mendes could still leave. I think he added a few zeros to his prize tag last night based on his performance. I think they've done well to keep him. They've done well to keep the likes of Palina and Pedro Gonçalves as well, who I believe are even either in talks or who have actually signed new deals with new release clauses. So for me, that's that's a very, very positive window, even though it's not particularly glamorous. Well, but I think um, I was thinking about this and I, I think um, it, I mean, in a way that the COVID pandemic has benefited them because mm. I feel you mentioned Paulinho, he was rumored with Wolves, I think. Um, even Mateus Nunes was rumored with Everton, and as you mentioned, Nuno Mendes with City. But these clubs will have less money because of last season, and perhaps that means that they're they're not willing to take not gamble, but like you know what I mean. Like particularly Nunes and Nuno Mendes, they're, they're much younger players. Um, they might be thinking, yeah, it's too early to take that risk. They're in the Champions League this season. We're going to see a bit more of them, see how they compete against the better teams. And so, yeah, that I feel that really has put Sporting in a, in a, in a strong position in that sense because they're, they're going to be able to hold on to these players for another season, say. Um, but as you mentioned, the reverse of that is that I also think they're going to, it's going to struggle to offload players. You mentioned, We've mentioned Cabrera already. I think he perhaps was the beginning of the transfer and it was most likely to leave and perhaps was going to generate the most funds. 
but he seems to have cemented his place back in this uh, starting eleven now. I think he's going to be a big player for them. But then the other players that they're going to potentially sell, like say Spore, say Ab- um, Battaglia or Ilori, these centre yeah. cent- back, yeah. they're not going to get money for them. And then how can how can they invest in players? Because you know the, the money is going to be tight for them as well as all the other clubs. I mean, it's such an interesting point because I always forget how much Deadwood sporting have or not just sporting actually I think all three of the big three in this league I think you always forget how much dead wood they have on their books simply because you just never see these players um, but they're still sitting there earning a wage so yeah it's a very good point they do need to offload some they haven't struggled to get some players in though Barney uh, and I think the two main signings obviously that they have made is Guy from Braga and Vinegar from Wolves both very interesting signings and interesting for me because they're both wing backs. now obviously I think a few Eyebrows were raised by Eshgai's price tag. Um, I think he was close to 10 million euros. But obviously now, given the very unfortunate injury to Pedro Porro that's gone on, Eshgai has gone from looking like a very luxury signing to actually a very smart signing. And I think both those signings of Eshgai and Vinagre show the importance of wingbacks in this system that, that Amarim likes to play because they were willing to invest a very decent chunk of money in two players who without injuries and without players being sold, may not even play that many minutes. So I think that just shows what an important role that those roles are in this squad. And we saw uh, the importance of the wingbacks in how they played last year. I think with Isgayo, I think that is sensible because I think we've seen, you know, not only this preseason, but last season there was Pedro Porro. He got injured a couple of times, didn't he? He, he? I think, I know he played the majority scene, but there was a few signs there, I think, which, you know, they needed to get the cover, especially with the extra European football season. Vinagre is the really interesting one for me because they've got, uh, they obviously signed Mateus Reese from uh, Rio Ave January last season. He's left wing back. I know they've played in central defence, but it's such a big amount of money for Vinagre. Mm. And for me, I, like I mentioned, I, go, I don't think, I don't see Nuno Mendes leaving this season. I think City will wait another year. And so here they are splashing the cash on him. When I think, if you look at that squad, they need to strengthen in other positions, like you mentioned, I say midfield, possibly a backup striker. Um, so that was the really surprising one because that was, I just, it didn't quite make much sense to me, particularly mm. for the price tag. I think he's a good player. We saw that last season, but like you said, Nuno Mendes is going to be the, the boy starting. Vinagre is not going to be the starter. And If Nuno Mendes was to leave, do you see Vinagre as good enough to start? Oh, abs- absolutely. I don't think he's as good as Nuno Mendes, but he's, he's, a, he's a good enough to to start for sporting in this league. I think that would have been the mindset behind that. I don't think they would have wanted to go into a situation where, especially because these big money transfers that we see very rarely happen at the beginning of the transfer window. Let's not forget, it's only the 1st of August today. We've still got a long way to go before the end of the transfer window. A lot of movement could still happen. So I just think sporting probably didn't want to be in a situation where they're scrambling to find a new first team left back if Nuno Mendes is sold at the end of the window. Also, I feel like there was probably a decent amount of competition for Vinagre. He was... He was really the only, bar Abdu Conte for me, the only very decent left back in this league outside the top three last year. So when you're looking at those kind of players to pick up, there was probably a lot of competition. We know Porto needed a left back. Benfica went down a different route, obviously, with their left back signing. But um, I think it was a smart move personally. And it's interesting you mentioned they need someone in midfield because obviously Manuel Ugarte is someone now. I think we expect to come in at this point. It sounds like the deal is done and we're just waiting for some kind of coronavirus quarantine to end and then he'll be able to come in and sign his contract. So I think that will be um, 
a very positive addition. And the one last thing in terms of signings, Barney, that I that I thought was quite interesting was not necessarily signings, but players coming back from loan um, that might that might feature the season. The one that I'm interested in is Pedro Marquez, a 23-year-old striker who spent the last season at Gil Vicente, scored five goals in 10 games at the end of the last season. Didn't have a great start to the season, but ended it very well. Played quite a few minutes in pre-season and I wondered whether he would be part of Amarim's plans up front. Obviously, we've seen Sparan not really hit the mark. Um, I think Paulino needs support in that position, even though they play only one up front. But there is now, however, talk that he will go uh, out on loan and, and it remains to see whether they will bring in another striker, whether they will offload Spora, what's going to happen in that position. But uh, it's interesting to see how those kind of players do. I think all the talk seems to be he's going to go back out on loan. I think um, I think Amon's going to trust Thiago Thomas to be the, the deputy to Paulinho. Um, and you've got to remember Cabral, I reckon, could do a job in playing through the middle. But, um, you know, with Nuno Santos coming in for him on that wide. Um, you mentioned the Garcia. Do you see him, because we re-rated him a lot uh, mm. at Famacar last season, even though he came in in January, he didn't have very long in this league to prove himself, but he did a really good job. I sort of see him as um, a backup to Paulinho rather than a starter alongside him. I think Mateus Nunes is going to get the nod to fill in the space um, left by João Mario. Okay. Um, but I do think that's, like you, know, like, you know, the whole thing with sporting this season is, Strengthening, strengthening in depth, isn't it? Because yeah, they're going to yeah. have the European football, and it's an obviously smart signing. Um, another player who's who was there last season, but we saw very little of Bruno Tabata. Yeah, I think he struggled to to really make his mark on this side so far, which is a shame because I do really like him as a player. It does seem like if Javan steps up, as we started to see glimmers of in the Super Tassa, he's taken on the number ten shirt. Maybe he's ready to take on that responsibility. If he steps up, suddenly Sporting are very very well-versed in those wingers' roles. They've got Pedro Gonçalves, Jovan, uh, Nuno Santos, and then Bruno Tabata. That's four very good options, in my opinion, that uh, that they could utilise. Hopefully, with, as you say, the European football coming up and the cup competitions as they come in, there'll be enough time for those players to all get minutes. Let's talk, though, Barney, about their season coming up. Expectations. For me, this is the first time in a while that we have serious expectations of them winning this league title. And interestingly, much more than last year when they actually did win the league title because there were no expectations then. So for me, this is going to be a really interesting season domestically. They're going to have to navigate the Champions League uh, and see whether they can back up the phenomenal season they had this year when now they're right up there as expected to, to perform well. Great signs in the Super Tassa. The Champions League is going to be fascinating, isn't it? For them, yeah, it's going to be yeah. a real test. I mean, realistically, I think they're obviously uh, a pop one ranked team, right? They're a top tier ranked team in the Champions League because of the, the fact that they won the league. But for me, realistically, just getting out, just getting out of the group would be a success. I think that would yeah. be a fantastic aim. If they can do that, that'd be a great success. Anything on top of that, man, is a bonus. Obviously, then it comes down to who you get drawn against. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, all of that stuff. Um, it's by the by but for me the Champions League is going to be a really really interesting test um, I can't wait to see how they get on key players Barney I'm, I'm thinking about what players we should look out for this season obviously Jovan as we mentioned looks like he's ready to play more important role the one I'm interested about is Paulinho because mm. I think he came on a big price tag a lot of people were saying oh he's not scoring the goals uh, perhaps wasn't having the impact that they expected. But then I thought towards the end of the season, he was fantastic. He he really stepped up, possibly even in just the last three games or so, three or four games. And he started to show the kind of movement that we want to see from him. I thought he was having the kind of input that we expect. So I'm really interested to see whether he can start the league in that kind of form. And if he can and sustain it over a season, I think, you know, he's someone who could really step up and be a top goal scorer contender uh, and a real, you know, valuable player. 
Well, I've actually, I, I'm going to tip him to get the most assists in the league this season. Okay. Because I think we saw, I think he's such an intelligent striker. And I know it seems to be a bit of a, the in thing to say at the moment about strikers in football is that, you know, they don't have to score the goals. It's about the, what they, what they do in creating spaces of, you know, like, but I think in this, the way Amarin likes to play with Pedro Gonzalez and if it's going to be a Cabral this season, playing off him, I see, I really see him creating chances because that's what I think he, he's just such an intelligent striker. You mentioned the runs he makes. I think that, I think that's his, one of his strongest attributes. Oh, don't get me wrong. He can, he can certainly finish, but um, yeah, I think there was a lot of, a bit of negative chat, wasn't there? People were saying he was taking a bit too long to settle when he, when he moved in January. And I think that was true. But like you said, end of the season, he started to get in, get into gear. And I think, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think he's going to be one of their, one of their best players in the season. And a nice conversation to have always when you're talking about sporting is who's going to be the next breakout young player. There's a couple of that I think are well-placed to do that. Inacio, the centre-back, it might be interesting to talk about him as a breakout player, seeing as he played most of last season. But it would be interesting to see whether he can take his performances to another level. Uh, and also Bruganza, who I think is going to be a really exciting young player to watch. Obviously, um, obviously with Joao Mario leaving, there's now an opportunity at central midfield for someone to... Uh, take on the mantle. Hopefully, there'll be more opportunities there, and I think Bragance is well placed to to start getting more minutes than he did last season and start showing more people what he's about. Yeah, I think you're right, Dan. I think that's that's going to be a really exciting position in the sporting team that 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 second position in midfield because Pellini is an Elden starter, but we're going to see Mateus Nunes, we're going to see Brancaga a lot more this season, and I think that, that those are two um, really exciting players. All right, well, let's move on to Porto, Barney. Obviously, they finished second in the league last season. They'll be looking to. Uh, improve on that. Um, let's start with transfers. One or two interesting transfers here, most notably for me, a deal that was done back in February, and that's for Brazilian winger Pepe coming from Grêmio. Really excited to see how he gets on. I think there was quite a lot of hype around his signing. It's uh, a type of signing that seems to do well for Porto. You know, someone highly rated coming from the South American league that then comes here and, and rips it up. I think, you know, I think it'll be good for Porto to have some fresh legs on the wings. I think Tessa Tito has been there a long time. He looks like he could leave as well. Uh, I think if Sergio Conchicel has more options out wide, more options that he trusts out wide, I think maybe we'll see him more comfortable playing a 4-3-3 formation. He seemed to play a lot of 4-4-2 last year, uh, which, you know, did a job for them. But I think ideally they should be playing a 4-3-3. And I think, um, you know, having someone like Pepe on the books, I think that's going to be great for them to, to just you know that injection of, of new blood new energy on the wings and, and something that could you know spark a, uh, a bit of change in the side one thing I would like that's what we love about this league is, is the mystique of the Brazilian league as well like a lot mm. of players coming over uh, that's a sort of way into Europe um, but yeah I think um, from what I read he he actually replaced Everton who's at, when, when he moved to Benfica in that Grêmio side so and I think they're quite, he's quite a similar player in that sense um, but yeah you're right I think that's the injection of pace he's going to bring and the sort of positive attacking dribbles mm. is something that only Porto really have in Luis Diaz, I would say. I think when Atavia plays out there, you mentioned uh, Ticatino as well, uh, they don't quite have that positive, direct um, style of play, which I think he's going to bring. So I think that's going to be a really, really good option um, for them. Uh, another signing out that I was, I was happy to see was Grujic, bringing him back. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it's a lot of money. And I think... yes. I think it's um, when you think about it. I mean, he's a great, he's a good player. We liked what we saw, mm-hmm. but when you're paying ten million, which you're always going to have to do when you get a player from the Premier League, could you argue you could get Mizrati and Carlos Junior both for ten million? You know, rather than pay Gruzic for 
Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you're saying. It's funny. I've written, I've written a very, a, a very similar thing down in my notes. I think, obviously, look, there's no doubt in my mind that Grouch is a good player and will do the job for Porter that that they signed him to do. And it seems from the 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 uh, signing video that put, that they put out when he came back to the training ground that he himself is delighted to be there and and, and wants to play for this club. All very positive signs, but I agree. I think the money was a bit surprising. £10 million on that kind of player is, is a lot of money. I think also, let's not forget, he's coming from the Premier League. He's not going to be on cheap wages. Um, the name that I put down as, as an alternative wasn't Masrati Bunny, but was Eustachio. I think that's someone that you can realistically get for probably half the transfer fee. And look, I haven't got any insight, but speculatively, possibly half the wages as well. And is there realistically going to be much difference in, in the level of performance? Well, you know, we can, we can speculate about that, but possibly they'll even do both deals who knows but no I, I think at the end of the day for me I think he, he's obviously going to do the job that they signed him to do he's good enough to be the player that they want him to be uh, and I think it's it's maybe a little bit of a luxury signing but you know they've got a bit of Champions League money to spend do you know what it could have been it could have been that moment in the, the Champions League last season was it against Juventus where Grujic's lying on the floor yeah. that little bit of shit Algy where he just looks up to see if the rest like call for a yeah, free yeah, kick yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that could have been that moment where Conchitel fell in love with him and was like yeah you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're my guy <laughs> um, Albert obviously made a few other signings within the league you know getting Bruno Costa back um, um, and Fabio Cardoso as well from Santa Clara which you know I, I think uh, I think they're great players and like, we both liked them a lot last season and before I got carried get carried away with that, it's just a lot of similarities to them purchasing, you know, similar players last season in Krasta and Nanu, who we barely saw last season. You know, even Felipe Anderson on loan, Evan Nilsson, you know, th- those signings that at the beginning it seemed quite exciting on paper, but then we just never saw them. And do you think Conscious Howe is going to trust these players? Because uh, for me, he ha- that's something that has to change this season. He's got to trust his fringe players a lot more. He's got to rotate more. That's a really, really good point. And it's something that I always worry about when Porto sign a player from within the league, because on the one hand, I think it's something that more clubs in this division should be doing. But then on the other hand, I worry that they're not going to get the minutes that they deserve. It looks like Bruno Costa has played quite a few minutes in pre-season. It seems like he started in midfield quite a few times. Obviously, I'm not sure how much we can read into that, but I like the fact that he's been playing. I think he's good enough to have some kind of input on this team, especially domestically. Uh, Fabio Cardoso as well. Interesting, funny, because when he signed, a lot of Porto fans were really upset. I mean, this is a guy who, if you trawl through his Twitter page down to, you know, about 2014, the guy loves Benfica, or at least he did a few, <laughs> at least he did a few years ago. Uh, and he also had a pretty horrific tackle on Romario Barrow. I thought the uh, Porto media team did a really good job of getting a picture of them together smiling uh, once he'd signed, showing that there was, you know, no love lost there. I think he could be a really good signing for them because we've seen that centre-back is a position that they need to reinforce. I mean, obviously, last year they went down the loan route. They brought in Malang Sarr from Chelsea on loan. I didn't really like it. I mean, he's a player that I like, but it just, you know, when you're getting that kind of player in on loan, it just screams of a little bit of desperation and also a player that's not really committed. I think Fabio Cardoso will be a much more committed player who hopefully will contribute a bit more, especially when you've got uh, Marcano and Pepe who are aging players Pepe I mean he's a warrior man that guy's a hero I, I'm not you know his age is not going to is not going to no. get in the way of his performances but Marcano spent the whole of last season out injured so you know I think it was really important that they signed the centre-back Barney the one position come on we can't avoid this that they have to reinforce though is left-back I mean they cannot start another season with uh, Zaidu Sanusi as the only recognised left-back on the books if they do that it will just be 
the worst squad planning that we've seen in this whole division. I mean, this is another thing I feel Conscious Howe is quite stubborn about because I think um, I saw he was talking in the summer that, you know, he's, he's happy with Sanusi. You know, he's, 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 he thinks he's good enough to start. But I think, you know, what we saw a fair bit last season was Manifa coming over to the left-hand side. Uh, Tecatino perhaps fitting it right back. But the emergence of uh, Jao Mario, uh, when he got a few games at right back, that's another option, which means Manifa is, for me, is probably going to be the, the backup left back, if you know what I mean. <laughs> which, I, it doesn't make sense, but I just feel like that's, you know, they might just go with that and just, you know, they plus they've got Nana and Krasu who can maybe come in. I don't know. I mean, I'm happy, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly perfectly happy for Sergio Conceição to say that he's happy with Sinusi as, as a left-back, that he backs him to be a starting left-back. I don't agree with it, because personally, I think they could do with an upgrade. But I'm happy for Sergio Conceição for that to be his opinion. But that's completely missing the point. The point here is that they only have one left-back. I don't understand how they can go into a season with three cup competitions, a domestic league and the Champions League, and only have one left-back. It's just, it's just poor squad planning. In their defence... I'm not sure where that left-back comes from because obviously in the league, I think we've seen, in my opinion, a relative dearth of, of good left-backs in the league that, that Porto could shop around for. I think Vinagre was the one uh, and they obviously missed out on him. Abdu Conte, again, is someone that we saw tentatively linked, but um, I, I like him, but I'm not entirely convinced that he's an upgrade on Sanusi. So maybe it's difficult to know where that player is going to come from, but I, I just think it has to be a priority. And I think if Sergio Conceição is going to be stubborn on this, that's going to be uh, that's going to be a real issue. Our on, a bit more on Conceição quickly. I, I think Porto at their best last season was, you know, Juventus in the Champions League. His go-to starting eleven, all busting your gut, running through, running through a brick wall for him. I know in the league, they were consistent in terms of their results as well. They, like, I think you made the point they had a better second half of the season than Sporting did. You know, their best performances in the league were the last few games, which had little consequence, little consequence, and involved you know the fringe players who were finally given an opportunity. And I'm not sure how much you can take from that, but it is a worry for me that we never saw them being dominant in the league because arguably they've got the best squad in the league, but they never look like that. They they seem to struggle to get up up for games, and I don't know if that is you know I I put it down a lot to the lack of freshness because conscious I was sticking with the same eleven hmm. week in week out for Europe and and the league, and this is sort of going back to my first point I made earlier. But he's got to trust his squad more for me this season. That's that's got to be a thing that changes with this Porto team, and I need to see a change in conscious out this season for me to for them to be top contenders. Absolutely. I think you're bang on there. I think obviously they're going to look at the small ways that they can improve what they did to get over the line and get into first place from second. And I think, as you say, just they need to take a step up in consistency domestically and, and being clinical, putting games to bed and getting games over the line where perhaps they didn't last year. And I think, yeah, you're bang on there. Using the squad, rotating players, keeping the side fresh uh, could, be, could be really important for that. In terms of the Champions League, I mean, matching what they did last year would be an absolutely heroic effort. I think very similarly to Sporting, I think they've just got to think about getting out of the group and taking it from there. Anything after that is a bonus, both financially and in sporting reasons. So, um, uh, yeah, best of luck to the Champions League. Let's hope some more nights like they had against Juventus last year. Key players for you, Barney, players that I want to look out for. I've put down Luis Diaz because he had a fantastic Copa America. I thought he played really well for Colombia. He was a little bit inconsistent last year, but... He's so talented and he's a player that I would love to see step up and just really make his mark in this team this year. I hope Conchisau doesn't stick Pepe in straight away. I, I think I think it's Luis Diaz's place to start on that left-hand side now. I think mm. um, 
So yeah, I think yeah, I, I think we can see a bit more from him. And then, do you think we'll see more of Chica Conchasau? Oh, if you were the if you were a manager and your your son or daughter was in the team, would you would you play them loads, or would you be that? Would you not want to play them to seem like you were playing favourites? <laughs> I mean, I mean, we laugh about it, but genuinely, I think it must be a very difficult situation yeah. to navigate for them because. Um, it must be very difficult for the manager to 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 pick his own to pick his own son. That said, I I, I think you're perhaps slightly underplaying how good he was last year. I thought he was a very bright spark for them when he came on. He proved to be a very useful player, quite a, very, a specific kind of player, but very useful nonetheless. He's taken on the number ten shirt this mm-hmm. season, Barney. Fantastic. The guy obviously backs himself, so yeah, I think he could be a really interesting one to look out for. And Vettinia, for me, he's obviously come back from Wolves. They're not looking to make that deal permanent as he was on loan. That's that's a player, you know, obviously we didn't. I didn't see any much of him at all last season. I, I, I can't really comment on his um, what he's going to bring, but he seems to be a big favourite of uh, Porto fans. Um, uh, I think he, I'm excited to see him as well because uh, it looks like he might be in the squad. He just scored a fantastic volley in their friendly against Lyon yesterday. If you can dig that video out, it's worth watching. It was a it was a fantastic volley. Well, look, let's move on to the third team of the big three. That is, of course, Benfica. They'll be looking to improve on what was undeniably a disappointing season last year. They spent a lot of money. It didn't pay off. Uh, and this season, I think they're going to have to find a different route to success. They're going to have to look within that squad and ask for players uh, to step up. That said, Barney, there has been a couple of interesting signings, man. Uh, there is still a lot to go on in this transfer window for Benfica, I feel. But the one that really shook things up this week was the signing of Ukrainian striker Yaremchuk from Ghent in the Belgian Pro League. We saw him in action at the European Championships. He was fantastic then. I'm going to be honest with you. A few weeks ago, I'd never heard of the guy. Before the Euros, I'd, ne- I'd never heard his name before. Now, I've watched him at the Euros. I've watched a few highlights videos and I'm convinced that he's going to be this year's top scorer and he's going to be playing for Real Madrid next year. <laughs> he looks good, doesn't he? He looks really, really good. The thing with what he looks like, Albert, is he looks like a more of a complete striker compared to who they've got on the books at the moment. You know, um, I think he's got all the best attributes of, say, Darwin and Seferovic sort of merged into one. I think it's a big move. I think he, I think he's the... They definitely needed someone at top, didn't they? They just could never get it right with um, playing um, Seferovic, playing Darwin. They never just seemed to be the right the right fit for Jorge Zeus' side. But, he looks like it could be the one. It's a good price tag as well, isn't it, Barney? 15 million euros. They haven't paid 30, 40 million euros for him. So I think it's well-placed even from a business perspective as well in terms of sell-on value, I think. That's a good mm. signing for them. Obviously, the elephant in the room, Barney, though, is the fact that they've now got six first-team strikers on the book. It's just ridiculous. They're obviously going to have to move on. Definitely two. I mean, if not three. I mean, unless they're going to play 4-4-2 every game with two up top. They've got too many strikers on the books. Now, this is a really interesting point, Barney, because... You mentioned Seferovic there. He's obviously not popular with the fan base, but he's an undeniably effective striker domestically. He was a goal off being top scorer last year. He's been top scorer in this league before. I'm not saying I love him as a player, but if you want someone to score goals in the Premier League, you've got a player on your books who can do that. Now, obviously, they're looking for more than that. They're looking for a bit of style quality and they're looking for someone who's going to perform uh, in Europe and someone they can sell on. Seferovic has been there for quite a long time now. Maybe it is time, therefore, for him for him to move on. I reckon from an international perspective, clubs from abroad looking at him, I think he'll he'll be a popular choice because they'll look at the number of goals he scored in the league. They'll look at the fact that he had a very positive Euros. I think he scores quite a few goals for Switzerland. I think now could be possibly the best time Benfica have ever had to sell a player that, quite frankly, they don't really rate and command a pretty hefty transfer fee for him. So I think that can make a lot of sense. The, the flip side of that, Barney, the player who the opposite 
of that is for me is Carlos Vinicius. I think this is a uh, uh, this is an example where Benfica have really messed up with Vinicius because let's not forget. He looked unbeatable for Benfica two years ago when he finished the league top scorer and Spurs took a chance on him. Obviously, that deal, that looking back, hindsight is a wonderful thing, but that deal, looking back, now doesn't look like a very good one. It was a loan with an option to buy, no obligation, an option to buy for £45 million. He didn't perform. He's come back. And now they're looking at a player that they can probably only really get £25 million for. So that's a player who's, um, whose value has gone down by about £20 million. And I think you'd have to say... Uh, it's poor, poor decision making from Benfica. I, I think you make some good points about the way they've, you know, managed their squad over a period of three or four seasons. But if you were to look at it in the sense of starting from afresh this season, they've brought in Rodrigo Pino on a free. That means they're going to be, like you say, able to sell these players for severity of money. But even if they get 25 million finishes, you could say that's 25 million profit on a free signing of Rodrigo Pino, if you see what I mean. I, I, yeah, I get it. it but I completely agree. It's messy. They've they've obviously wasted talent and you know not capitalized on the getting the money at the peak. But I think it's clear. You know, for me, I I also see Darwin moving on. I think I think it became evident throughout the season that he, he wasn't the player that Jorge wanted him to be. Um, and I, I think his confidence has got absolutely knocked. I can see him. It's messy, but then. Yeah, the shining light is this Uramshuk signing, which is seems like really smart business. And I think it is the right player that they need. The one player, Barney, that I think we're all forgetting about here is Gonzalo Ramos. Now, Gonzalo Ramos is a striker that I love. I think he's so talented. And the fact that he came through the youth system at Benfica, you really, really want to see him performing well in the first team. That's the type of type of player they should be nurturing. You know, this is what Benfica used to be all about. They're, they're famed youth academy and now they've got this asset on their books who I think is a genuinely great asset who could grow into a great player and they're in danger of letting him stagnate by, you know, obviously, as you say, Uremchuk's a great signing, but they're, they're in a situation now where he's going to struggle to get minutes. He's been playing a lot in preseason and scoring goals. He scored goals when he came on for his few opportunities last year. Now, I hope that maybe a loan move could be good for him. Who knows? But he's a player that I would have liked to see improve. Well, look, let's just quickly look at what we can expect from them this season. In terms of the league, I'm not sure even whether I, they're my favourite to win the league. I think they've obviously got, in my opinion, the best squad in the division. They've got the highest quality of players in the division, but there just seems to be a kind of stuff going on behind the scenes, a barrier between management and players that, that held them back last year. If they can get over that, I think they could be a real threat in the league. They've obviously got the talented players to do it. Uh, let's not forget some of the players they've got on their books, man. Everton, Uremchuk, Rafa, uh, all these type of players, man, who who underperformed last year. Uh, that if they stepped up and performed how we know they could, this is going to be a, a you know a team that will, will will scare any team in this division. No, I feel like once again we're going to see um, just a lot of inconsistency. I think you mentioned the the stuff going on off the pitch. I think that's. You know that's that's absolutely huge stuff that's going on. I think that's going to be a, a an unwanted distraction. I think what we saw from the last season was you know there was only one or two games where they looked like they were contenders. You know the, the football was poor. Um, they were you know they were there to be got. I think Gil Vicente and Bovis both beat, both beat them last season. You know take, teams could frustrate them. They could take them to seventy minutes and believe I can get a, we can get a draw here. And I feel like it's going to be the same again. I don't think we've seen anything from Jorge Zeus in terms of having a. A, a solid plan you know he, he he changed tactics and he changed formation halfway through the season and that still didn't look quite right but I think 
in terms of the signings and the quality, they they've made good quality signings, haven't they? Like you said, and I think that that's going to be the only thing that could improve them. I still think there's a little imbalance in the back. I think they need to sign another centre back, um, a younger centre back. Yeah, I'm not so sure of them. I'm still I've still got my massive doubts about them, and I think it's it, it could be another hard season for them. Well, that's the big three dealt with, Brian. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to say after that discussion, we talked about the big three there. Which of those clubs, in one word, do you think are best placed for the title this year? Uh, it really have put you on the spot. I know. Sporting. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What do you think? Because you were really leaning on Porter at the end of last season. You were like, they, they're the ones. I was. I was really. And do you know what? I, I'm trying not to be blinded by the performance from Sporting that we saw last night, which I thought was was frightening. Just to be interesting for the second of podcast, but I'm going to stick to my guns and I'm going to say Porto. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but that's the big three dealt with. That's obviously the bulk of, of the conversation, but we've still got plenty of teams to get through. We're going to keep going down the league as they finished last year. We're up to Braga in fourth place. A couple of decent signings for me, Barney. Mario Gonzalez, good signing, good price tag. Lucas Monero, very interesting signing as well. Uh, obviously, on loan at Gil Vicente last year. They brought in Thiago Esguero, the right back, and Paulo Oliveira, the centre back on a free transfer. Some good signings there. Mario Gonzalez, for me, obviously the one that stands out. He was such a good player last year. We both had him in our not the big three team of the season. The price tag was minimal. It's good business, man, because I think they needed a striker. They lost Paulinho. Abel Ruiz, a player who. Honestly, I like, I would love to see him do well, but I don't think you can rely on him. And you've got a striker there who bagged, what was it, 16 goals last year for Tondela? Man, if he's in a better team with better service, I can see him easily getting 15, 20 goals this year. Yeah, and I think um, the point about Abba Ruiz, I think he would work really well just paying off Mario Gonzalez. I think I think this was a perfect signing for me. I think um, Gonzalez proved his quality in this league last season and Braga, I think it's just a perfect fit. I mean, last season, Braga scored... Um, 53 goals all season. And if you compare that to the big three, Sporting had 65, Porto 74, Benfica 69. They need to be getting nearer those sort of tallies to really push themselves on. And um, here's my first XG stat of the season, Albert. Here we go. So Braga actually had the third highest XG in the league, but they still got 12 goals less than Sporting, who had the fourth highest XG. So that shows they need someone to finish their chances. And Marion Gonzalez... He got a return of 15 goals from a total XG for the season of 9.88. So he is the guy to do it. He's gonna All he's right. gonna put the ball in the back of the net. Um, you mentioned Luke Minero. I think yeah, I agree with you. Good signing. Um, I I don't know if that's you know for the, the departing Mizrati. I feel like those rumors have quieted down a lot. I think if they can keep him, fantastic. But defense, I mean, um, defense for me is the one out. David Karma is obviously going to come back from industry. He's their best asset. I think he's um you know probably their best defender and a, a nice like, signing of uh, Paulo Oliveira yeah. from. Iba as that experience I feel like the only thing is um, the, the talk isn't it you know even this, after the super tasset Carlos Carvalho saying you know we haven't got the need to centralise the TV rights we can't compete with the big three um, I think in the recent press conference finishing fourth is the bare minimum would you be disappointed to hear that as a Braga fan or, or do you think that's just realistic I think that's just been reality for years and years I mean look Braga for years now have been the nearly team you know, the team that's nearly going to break into the big three. And, and you know, we spoke about it last year, about what, maybe what they could do to um, to change that. I think if I'm being harsh, 
we could have that conversation every year and it never quite materialises. I mean, maybe realistically, they just don't have the budget to compete. That's a fair point. But I think the reality is this year for me, I think they should just be looking to secure that fourth spot. I don't really see enough in this team to challenge Benfica, unless, of course, Benfica have a particularly disappointing season. And apologies to Benfica fans, I've just assumed they're finishing third there. What I meant to say was, of course, challenging any of the big three. <laughs> but no, for me, honestly, it, it's too it's too soon to look at doing anything other than locking down fourth spot. I mean, again, I'm not trying to base too much on, on what we saw last night, but they were second best. There was a clear difference between Sporting and, and, and Braga. Uh, so I think for them, fourth place would be good. I think there could be improvement in the Europa League. I think we saw them go down yeah. uh, in a bit of a whimper in the Europa League. So I would like to see improvement there. And look, they had good success in the Tassel de Portugal last year to come away with a trophy. It's great for the fans. So if they can replicate something like that again, um, yeah, I think that would be a good season. I think the, the only other factor I think that, that sort of benefits them is obviously Karaj Carvel now. He's been there, you know, he's, he's been there a bit longer now. He's had more time to imprint his philosophy on the team. Yeah, like I said, they've gotten a lot of their transfer business early, which also like puts them in a strong position. I think he, because we didn't, I don't think he quite got it right last season. But if he if he puts it all together, I've got a little feeling that you know I I was excited at the beginning of last season out, but I'm excited again. I feel like they 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 could do something. There's something in the air for me. Well, let's hope, let's hope, because I think we would all like to see a bit of a, a bit, you know, it would be exciting for all the neutrals to see a bit of a switch up uh, in the big three, in the big three in the table. Let's just do key players quickly, Barney. We've mentioned the main ones already, Mario Gonzalez, Ali Almazrati, if they can keep him. For me, though, an interesting one would be Luri Medeiros, who they obviously tied down on a permanent deal. Uh, if he can, obviously he had a really horrific injury last year. If he can get back to fitness, I thought he was showing really promising signs as a playmaker for them. He was really making things happen. So he's someone that I would love to see come back into the side and, and build on that positive season. And the player that you mentioned, Barney, David Carmo. Now, anyone who listened to our, our podcast last year from the early days will know that. I have been critical with David Carmo at times. I think he's got a lot to learn as a centre-back. But... Of course, I'm also willing to accept that there's a lot of natural raw talent there as a defender. And, and you know, they they need young blood in that centre-back position. So I would like to see him, you know, maybe step up, work on his attitude a bit and, and have a positive season. Yeah, and two more players for me. Um, Gilano, he obviously was their best winger, I think, last season. I think in some games he was asked to do too much of a defensive duty than I would like to see him. I'd like to see him a bit un- unleashed a bit more going forward. And then... Fabio Martins back on loan, uh, but back from his loan spell in um, Saudi Arabia. So he, he could be exciting. I think, uh, you know, he's got a lot to offer. And finally, I'm hoping uh, Deal McGee can break into the team. You know, oh, I would love to see that. The guy they signed from Man U last season. Young English midfielder signed from Manchester United. Yeah, I would love to see see more of him. Or maybe we need to keep an eye on the, uh, the B team to, to see him in action. Let's do Passos Barney. Fifth place last year, an incredible season. We're yet to see them in action in the Europa Conference League. I can't wait for that. Um, I saw the other day that they were in the same side of the draw as Spurs. So if they're successful in, in their qualification campaign, they could come up against Tottenham in the league. That'd be amazing for us uh, to see that. But a fantastic season last year. Of course, I don't think we can start this conversation anywhere else, though, other than departure of the manager, Pepper, who was such a key part of that success last year. I wonder what you make of this because they brought in the new manager, Georges Simao. I have to say, I thought it was a slightly underwhelming appointment. I wondered whether they could have held on, maybe got in. Obviously, we saw Vasco Siabra leave Morarens uh, after they made that appointment. I feel like they made quite a hasty appointment. Maybe they could have waited to see. They could have got a younger, more, more positive manager. That said, 
I don't know. I don't know enough about him to make a judgment, and, and he could prove me wrong uh, and build on on build on what they did last year. I think uh, for me, Albert, I think it is a good sign. I think he's got looking at his history. He's got a lot of pedigree in this league. You know, he's, he's managed passers before, so he obviously knows the knows the club. He had a good t- uh, spell at Braga as well, and they looked like they sorted it out almost as soon as Pepper announced he was leaving, which I think is good because. Unfortunately for Passos, I think it's going to be a completely different season for them. I think in his in Jerusalem's uh, pre- recent press conference, he said, "You know, there are times there are times off and now, but consolidating will be the beacon for this season." And I think that really tells a lot because a massive exodus of key players, um, and you know, just to, I mean, Bruno Costa's gone. They've replaced him with Nuno Santos, who was on loan from Benfica. He was at Boavista last season. They brought in Tunas to replace Robocho, um, who's gone back to growing up in France. And Marcelo, their centre-backs, moved to Saudi Arabia and they brought in Flavio Ramos from CD Friends. Albert, all of those players, I would say, and I don't mean to be harsh, but they are of lesser quality than the departing players. Add to that Luther Singh, who they haven't brought back. I've, it's it's going to be a different season, man. Do you know what? I think I'm not going to completely disagree with you, but the one thing I will say is let's not forget that we didn't expect anything from Passos at the beginning of the last season. We didn't expect anything from the players that they brought in. I'm sure some people did, but we didn't. So I don't think it's it's soon enough to fully judge. But I do agree. For me, I think that my my instinct is to say that a mid-table finish this season would be would be a result, really. And and you know, let's maybe they can have a a couple of good nights in Europe in this qualification campaign if they earn themselves a, a you know a European night against someone like Spurs. That would be that would be great. For the fans. Let's not forget though, Bonnie, that there are still one or two key players on the books. And the biggest one for me is Douglas Tank. Now, we love this guy. He looks like a very capable striker. And when you think about clubs in this league maybe needing a striker, I'm slightly surprised that he wasn't mentioned in more in conversations, although I understand that he's not the most technically proficient. He's a very useful player though. Uh, and he's someone that's staying with them. So if he can, you know, get back scoring goals, that'd be useful. And of course, Steven Eustachio is still yet to leave. That said, he has been on Gold Cup duty, so I imagine when he comes home, the, uh, the transfer rumours will start again and, and we'll, we'll have to see whether he's still there at the end of the window. Well, surely that's a bit of a nightmare for Passos as well because like, you know, he's still playing international football. The season's about to start. He hasn't had a, a break at all, really. And, and you know, he's one of their only... Um, you know, it's just... Uh, I don't know. It scares me a lot. Quickly on Douglas Tangal because I, I do like watching him play, but I had a look into his stats and, you know, he's... He usually gets about nine or ten goals a season. He's never really got more than that. And it, like you said, he really needs to step up a bit more this season for me. Um, but here's a statistic. Last season, he had the second most shots in the league at 90 all season. But with two of his nine goals being penalties, it meant that he had one of the lowest goals to shots return in the league. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I, you know, that doesn't tell the whole story, though. He, he's a capable player. One more player, Albert. Uh, Machi Jiao, who... Um, the 18-year-old. He was rumoured of a move to Arsenal recently as well, but I think he's just signed a contract. You know, if they don't get Lufusing back, you know, he's. I think he's a natural replacement in the squad. I'd love to see him give an opportunity out on the wing. Um, he could be a, big, uh, a good player from the season. But yeah, it's um, what's the phrase he said? It's a, a season of consolidation for me for Passos this season. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, look, uh, Passos is going to be in Europa Conference League action against Northern Irish side Larn very soon. So make sure you keep an eye on those games. It's going to be fantastic to see how those get on. Let's move on to the other Conference League team this season, Barney Santa Clara. Now, we've seen a lot more of them. We've already seen two games in the Conference League. They managed to dispatch Scoopy. Uh, I think it was 5 0 on aggregate. Excellent result. They look great. Now, 
it's actually been a very interesting transfer window for them, for me, finally, because they've only sold one first-team player, Fabio Cardoso to Porto that we already discussed. But two, they've now signed three players on a free transfer from the Segunda Division, Segunda Liga. Now, obviously, we're talking about transfers a lot here. We're recording on Sunday morning. Things could change by the time the podcast comes out. They've signed Mohamed Baldini, 25-year-old striker from Academic Wimbra, scored 15 goals in 31 games in all competitions last season. Paulo Henrique, 24-year-old left-back from Penafiel, and Ricardo Fernandez, a goalkeeper from Academico de Vizel. Now, it's an interesting strategy, Barney. You know, they're signing players from the second division. They're not really signing household names. And, you know, it's quite, you know, it shows that they've got a lot of faith in their squad. But let's not forget, they've barely, so- they haven't sold any of their star players outside of Cardoso. The most important thing for them in this window is that so far, they've kept on, so they've kept hold of the majority of the players that we were so impressed with last year. Marita's still there. Carlos Junior is still there. And he was heavily linked with the likes of Benfica earlier in the window. Yeah, I think um, you make a good point about the Segunda League players because um, Alano, the Brazilian winger who came in January from the Segunda League, he was such an exciting player. Um, so I think that's a proven uh, tactic of Santa Clara that seems to be working well. Um, just quickly on Alano, you know, you mentioned Mar- the keeper Marita as well, the Japanese defensive midfielder. Those two players, I think I found a statistic that when they're in the team, Santa Clara have got the most, like, that's the most points Santa Clara have got on average. So I think uh, there's still this rumour around Carlos Junior moving to Saudi Arabia for about three million, which just seems like absolute pennies. And I, I that, there's that article coming out recently by Alex Concavas about how um, how the Portuguese league is being underused by the big European leagues, which is a great read, talks about Carlos Junior there. But um, I think Santa Clara are really interested to compare to Passos de Ferreira, you know, they're both in the Conference League. They've both got European football for the first time in a while. But, like you said, Santa Clara are keeping their players. They're keeping the squad together. They've kept Daniel Ramos, who was such a big factor in getting into Europe. You know, it's, it, I just think they're in much, much stronger position than Passos. And I think, you know, they could they could end up staying up at that end of the table, you know. Yeah, I mean, it would be, it would be a, a, a fantastic success if they did replicate what they did last year. But, at this point, obviously, there's a long way to go in the transfer window. But at this point, there's no real reason to suggest why they wouldn't. And in fact, maybe they could even look to build on their performances. I think I mentioned a couple of times last season where I almost criticised their game management because I thought there were times where they could have looked to grind out draws against bigger teams and, and things when, when they were looking for winners. But there's, there's reasons to be to be optimistic around Santa Clara, I think, perhaps more so than, than Passos de Ferreira. Let's do key players, Barney. Now, we've mentioned a few, Marita. Carlos Junior, Villanueva is another one you could look at. But the one key player that I want to pick out for Santa Clara this season is Lincoln. Now, he wasn't one of the star players last year. He didn't play as many minutes as others did. He showed glimmers of what he could do, but he's been involved a lot recently in the earlier stages of the season. And he looks like a really exciting player and he looks like he could be the next one to step up from Santa Clara. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think he started the season off injured. So I think... You know, once he did get back into the team, it took him a little while. I think towards the end of the season, though, we certainly saw saw the best in him. Um, he's he's one of the most fouled players in the league, which is you know the Wilfred Zaha stat, isn't it? But like, yeah, I feel like yeah. that tells a good story, and I think um, you know, I've, I've, yeah, I've wrote him down as the, the player to keep an eye on. I think he's he's going to be brilliant. Well, moving on, Barney, one of the teams that we spent a lot of time talking about last year, we made no secret of the fact that they're one of the teams that we're kind of most interested to watch, and that is Victoria. Now. We pretty much hammered them last season for having a very disappointing year, but things seem to be moving on. They've had a very interesting summer. They've always got a new manager. They took Pepper from Passos de Ferreira. 
uh, a few players have moved on. They've been pretty ruthless with culling some of the players that that they considered uh, not part of their plans. Um, but in terms of incomings, it's actually been a very quiet window. Um, uh, two good transfers, in my opinion, though. Berevkovic, centre-back for Rio Ave, impressed me a lot last year, even though Rio Ave were pretty awful throughout the league. He still managed to impress me, which I think says a lot. Uh, and Alpha Semedo, the defensive midfielder from Benfica, who spent last year at Reading. I think both fees were around 1 to 1.5 million. Um, they're both positions that they really needed enforcing. Uh, and it's good business. Obviously, not many big signings. But for me, I think I mentioned last year, the fact that they had such a a big squad, such a squad full of disparate players from different places, lots of new players. I like the idea that Pepper is building a much more close-knit, more cohesive team based around players that he's actually going to utilise. Mm, and I think, um, yeah, I think, like you said, those centre-back and defensive mid would certainly positions they needed to improve on. I think Rafa Suarez has come back on loan from Ibar. He'll be starting left-back. I think that's another one that they needed to improve on. Um the other exciting thing, Albert, is the, the the number of youngsters that have been promoted to the the, the first team. I think that's a, a good sign of what Pepper's planning to do there as well. I think his I think his influence could be really positive. I think it's you know he, we clearly sh- showed what he can do with Pastor Ferreira. I think the only doubt I had in my mind is that Pastor seemed to tread off towards the end of the season when he sort of announced he was moving on. But he's a clearly a good manager, exciting manager. I just don't know if this is going to be a transitional season for. Uh, Vittorio Grimash because you know Andre Andre is getting towards the end of his career charisma too even though if you think about like those three players come towards the end suddenly this squad I think it's the second youngest in the in the league it looks very inexperienced it looks a little wobbly so I think it's going to be an interesting season I don't know if they're going to improve on last season I think we're going to see young players develop young players impress like Amaro like Andre Almeida who we were absolutely huge fans of but I think it's going to be another tough season for Vittorio, despite the the, the uh, signing of Pepper. Well, I think what we've seen is that this league is it's quite forgiving for a team like Vittorio in terms of they can have a season which was pretty awful last year, and then you know they still managed to finish seventh. So uh, it's you know it's it's an interesting one where they're, they're still capable of of a relatively high finish, even if they don't have the best season. I would like to see improvement. Obviously, Vittorio fans consider themselves the fourth biggest team in, in, in the country. Now, there's obviously no doubt in my mind that they won't be challenging Braga for fourth this season. I think their aim should really be just to look, to kind of nick one of the other European spots. I think a Conference League spot for them next year would be uh, a good achievement. In terms of key players, Barney, obviously, the undeniable Marcus Edwards, who's taken on the number 10 shirt again this season, so that's an interesting one. Uh, but for me, two interesting players, Andre Almeida, a player that I raved about last year, young midfielder that I would love to see do well. An interesting one that I started to watch during pre-season this year was Nicolas Jambier, who was a little bit disappointing for them last season. French midfielder who came in, didn't do much, but he was playing quite a few games in pre-season, looked like a decent player at central midfield. So I would like to see a player like that who didn't live up to what we expected last year come through. I think um, another one similar is like Ruben Lamirez. He obviously moved from Family Cow in January last season. I don't think we saw his full ability, you know, what, what he can do. I think he's got another level to go. So him and, and Rashinha, you know, you know, Chris and Edwards, we always talked about them too, but Rashinha on the on the left wing, you know, he, he was he was fantastic and a, a really tidy player. Well, at Moro ends Barney, a team that I was, had a bit of a soft spot for last year. I enjoyed their, I enjoyed watching them play. I thought they, they kind of overachieved in terms of the squad that they had. And I thought that was no, in no small part down to the manager Vasco Siabra. Now, 
of course, the interesting thing here is that Basquiat left at the end of the last season, despite a successful year. It seemed like there was some kind of disagreement with with the owners. They went for Joao Henriquez as his replacement, the man who left Victoria at the end of last year. He never quite impressed me, so I'm not entirely sure what to expect from Morarens. They don't fill me with confidence this year, Barney. I, I I'm a bit torn because I feel like they've got a really nice sort of bang average squad but you're not going to get too many slip-ups with if you know what I mean I just feel sure, like it's sure. quite a safe squad um yeah I, I Jaron Enriquez just scares me man <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I, I wouldn't trust him but then uh, the one player that I I just you know because I, did, I didn't really watch Morons that much you know I think um Felipe Suarez and Felipe yeah. Perez are both decent when I when I did see him um but um when I look at this, when you when I looked at the statistics at the end of the season, Fabio Pacheo, I, I just didn't barely watch this guy. 32-year-old defense midfielder, he's second in the whole league for interceptions and second in the league for tackles. And you know, well, Palini is top for tackles, Otamendi's third for interceptions. So you show you what company he's in. Hmm. Um he's just yeah, I don't know. I want to keep my eye out on him this season. Sounds good. Well, look, in terms of what they should be aiming for this season, I think a, a season of consolidation, like other clubs, I think this is gonna be just about First things first, let's not get relegated and then build from there. I mean, not really much to talk about in terms of transfers either. If there's a player that people want to keep an eye out for, Rodrigo Consasal, one of Sergio's other sons, not Chico, is signed on loan from Porto. So that's a player that you can look out for uh, for the season coming up. And of course, the left-back, Abdu Conte, who had a good season last year. Let's see if he can he can step up uh, and have another positive season. Let's do Fabio Lecao, Barney. Now, this is an interesting one. Fabio Lecao, who had really two completely different seasons last year. It was a season of two halves, a season of abject failure in the first six, in the first few months where they were rock bottom of the table. Players looked absolutely without ideas. They looked dead certs to go down. In comes Ivo Vieira. In comes a couple of interesting signings in the January transfer window. And suddenly they were absolutely transformed. They were on European football form. They almost nicked a European football spot. They didn't quite manage it. But what I just don't know what to expect from them this season. I mean, part of me thinks these guys could be gunning for Europe. Yeah, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think Ivo Vieira is, um, you know, what he did, like you said, is, is, is really promising, really exciting. I think... January transfers, Heriberto Tavares, Ivo Rodriguez, you know, I just think with Family Cow, you know, their, their scouting network is tip top, isn't it? Like every signing they make, it fills me with confidence. Like even Cryo for the Bulgarian, who we haven't seen um, much of, I think he's got more to offer. Um, their weakest position last season was defence for me. And, you know, uh, they've signed Alex from Santos and uh, Dylan Batubizinska from as well. To, and I think that will improve them. I, I, tr- I trust their scouting network, like I said. And I think Raquelli and Quiros have got another... Well, Quiros plays for the Portuguese under-23, he's under-23 captain, so I think we've got to see a bit more from him. Um, I wrote down that they have to keep their captain, Aston Cow. I think he's always rumoured with, like, you know, when he when he moves, it's going to be for big money. And I think if you take him out of that midfield, that's what would worry me for them. Yeah, no, good point. I think he's he's... He's, you know, a young captain, which is really interesting to see, but clearly a very talented player. Uh, Ivan Jaime as well, another player that I would recommend people look out for. He had some really great moments. And the fact that they got Heriberto Tavares now in on a permanent, because he was only in on loan last year, that's a great, great bit of business. And I think, you know, not too many star signings, but that's not what we expect from Family Cow. We, we know that they have this interesting, tra- this interesting scouting network. Uh, so we just wait 
for them to make the decisions and see which of those players step up. So I think it's going to be an interesting season. If you want an outside bet, for me, these guys could be uh, an outside bet for a top five, top six finish. Right, we're getting down to the middle part of the table now, Barley, a team that we didn't pay that much attention to last year. Uh, of course, that is BSAD. Now, I think they had a pretty forgettable season last year. They were never really involved in a relegation battle. Uh, they never really showed that much, except for maybe at the end of the season to suggest that they were a team to, to worry about. Um, they're just an interesting club because obviously there's the whole situation with Isabella Nengis. So you ended up with this club, BSAD, in the top division who just kind of don't really have any real fan base. They don't really have any real identity. For me, they just kind of exist as a business at the moment. Now, it must be difficult for the players to kind of deal with that situation, difficult for the manager to deal with that situation. And I think that's kind of reflected in their their, their mediocrity for me. I'm not sure what you really expect from them this season, Barney. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Well, I, I'm going to be positive about it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to watching them. And that's, and that's not just because they've got Sandro. Uh, the <laughs> Brazilian of them, Tottenham in the team because interestingly they've got one of the youngest squads in the league now even even with Sandro in the team and because uh, they, they've sold a lot of experience they've sold uh, Varela's gone to Porto B uh, Christian the goalkeeper's moved on Ruben Lima and his has gone to Braga obviously they've also Miguel Cardoso the winger I think was their best player last season he, he's gone back to Dynamo Moscow and there's no sign of him coming back so you know they've suddenly got this very young team that they've kept uh, their hot prospects and sort of Thomas Ribeiro, Nilson Ferreira as well, the, the left wing back. I like Cassio, their striker. And they've also promoted a lot of youngsters as well. So they signed Pedro Nuno from Morons as well, which I think was a bit of a shock. I think he's a, he's a, a fairly decent player. He was obviously injured for a lot of last season. So I don't know. I think they could be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Interesting to hear you, hear you talking positively about them. I picked out the same players. Thomas Ribeiro, good centre-back. Matteo Cassiero, good striker. It'd be interesting to see if they can uh, keep hold of those type of players. Gil Vicente finished just under them last season. Now, they've been very active in the transfer market party. The most active of any team. They've signed 15 players as it stands. They replaced my favourite keeper from last year, Dennis, with my second favourite keeper, Critchiuk. Uh, none of the signings have been pretty high profile on that side of that, but some interesting ones here or there. Belel Washeria from Florence, I thought was a good, uh, decent signing. Hackman from Porto Menendez again. You know, not star players, but they've 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 made a lot of changes and they seem to be uh, trying to improve on what they did last year. Yeah, another similar one to what you're saying, John Ima from Maritima, I think will be a good replacement for uh, Mineiro because they didn't get him back. But the, the marquee one surely is um, Murillo from Braga. I think there's a lot of talk about him. I don't know much about the player, but um, he looks like a, a, a good winger. And I think they, the biggest departure for me was Lorenzi moving to moving away. So I think that, that that's a good replacement. Um, they've kept Samuelino as well, but I'm happy with that. Um, one of those things, isn't it? I think there's a, a couple of other teams that when, when teams make a load of signings, you don't know if it's a, a, a because of a um, precise plan or if it's panic stations and I just <laughs> don't know what they're doing well they seem but, to make their signings early doors so it suggests that this is you know a, a considered a considered approach obviously if, if our listeners are looking for someone to, to look out for in that team I know you love Sam really you know you've convinced me on him as well I think he looks like a great young player but another player I think is interesting to look out for is uh, Fujimoto Japanese midfielder who's looked very promising in these early parts of the season we've seen him play in uh, 
uh, in the Tasuna Liga. So it would be good to see someone like him do well. You know, we've had a few good Japanese players in the league and uh, yeah, he looks to be uh, one good place to to have a good season. I, I like the manager as well, Ricardo Suarez. I think um, I think I, I've, I'm quite confident on them. I think they they could uh, finish mid-table for sure. I, I'm, I'm thinking... I think the positive vibes of Gil Vicente, and that's not just because of Samuelino. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because there's always that one outside team that does well and starts pushing for Europe. You know, last season we had Santa Clara, Passos, Morens, these type of teams doing well. So there's always a possibility that a team that you don't expect is going to do well, and who knows? Maybe that could be Gil Vicente. Uh, another team that could be an outside shout for that kind of position, that kind of league finish, for me, Barney, is Tondela. Now, They've got two very eye-catching loan transfers. These are the two transfers that everyone's talking about. Thiago Dantas from Benfica and Quaresma from Sporting. Really exciting young players. So much talk around these guys. Perhaps two of the most hyped young players in the country. Uh, and now they've both got an opportunity to play a full season of men's football and show what they're all about. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, those are the... They just really caught my eye out, but I think it just bringing so much excitement to this time day in because they, I feel like, you know, they finished on the same points as they did last season, even though they were clear of the relegation scrap. So there wasn't much improvement in that sense, but I feel like, I still feel like they're quite a solid team, if you know what I mean. I think they had this weird home form last season where they, you know, it, it just proved that Tondé is a tricky place to go to and mm-hmm. for any team this year. And I think they can hopefully rely on that this season. And, you know, with the, Oh, it's just Dantas, man. He's such an exciting sign, yeah. isn't it? I yeah. can't wait to see him. Definitely. And I think they've actually got a slightly underrated manager. I think Pagai Esteran is a, is a very experienced manager and very professional manager who I'm sure will orient the team team well. Obviously, they were up Mar- without Mario Gonzalez, of course, uh, who was vital for their goals last year. They've got another striker on loan from Wolves called Dadashov. I don't know much about him. Let's see see if he can he can make the step up. And there's one or two other useful players that I like, Salvador Agua, Jean Murillo. So I think they could be an interesting team to to keep an eye on next year if you're if you're picking some games to watch. If you see Tolan Delay on the list, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't rule out giving them a chance. Of course we're now moving into the bottom part of the table and a team that really underperformed and a team that I have to say unfortunately I'm quite worried about is of course Boa Vista. Now They've lost some very key players. Angel Gomez, of course, was only ever going to be there for one season on loan. We knew he was going to leave, but it doesn't make his loss any less uh, of an issue. Paulinho, the winger, going to Saudi Arabia. And and just recently, we saw Adil Rami rescind his contract. It wasn't even like he, he, was, he was signed by another team. So, unfortunately for me, I think these are quite worrying signings. They've not got many first-team players on the books at the moment. And when you look at that squad, you worry a lot about what they're going to achieve this season. I think the worrying thing for them is um, they obviously had the investment from the previous owner of, of Lille, who unfortunately had to sell his stakes in Lille because of financial issues. I think these financial issues have continued over to Boa Vista as well. I reckon Adel Rami was a, a question of getting his high salary off the books. Um, they still got Xavi Garcia by the looks of things, but I don't know if he's going to go as well. But I think they're just in a real, real... Uh, they're just in a, such a state, man, such a mess. If Albert Fellas goes, you know, Clinton G's all right, but he's not he's not gonna keep them up. Yeah, yeah. And I think Albert Fellas was the only player who could do that in that team. I I'm scared for them, Albert. I think um the new kit's horrible as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, I think Albert Fellas, and it does look like he is on his way out. And I think him and I believe it's Ricardo Mangas, the left back. Oh, he was good as well. Yeah, he was exactly. good. And it looks like they're both gonna be off to Bordeaux. Interestingly, Bordeaux, who I think 
uh, now have some kind of involvement with the Boa Vista owner. Uh, so you know you start to wonder what's going on here with with that guy's relationship at, at, at Boa Vista, what his intentions are really uh, with the club. It's worrying times. In amongst all the negativity, a small positive for me was the signing of Kenji Gori, the winger and a free agent. Now I know he wasn't necessarily the biggest star last season for CD Nacional, but he's still a player that I think has got a lot of talent. So I think that's a smart signing, especially on a free agent. Um, worth remembering they still have some decent players on the books from Reggie Cannon, Chigozi Awaziam, Xavi Garcia, Gustavo Sauer. So there is quality there. This is not a complete disaster. But I think if both Fista fans are expecting an improvement on last season, unfortunately, I'm worried that they could be in for a, a bit of a negative surprise. Yeah. And here we were this time last season saying they could be in for, in for Europe. <laughs> Mate, it's not been a good summer. It's not been a good summer at all. Porto Menendez then, Barley. I always forget, because we were quite positive about, about them last season, I always forget then that they finished beneath Boa Vista. They only finished two places above the relegation spots. But, in my opinion, still a positive season. They got to a slow start and managed to to uh, pull things around. The most interesting thing for me, Barley, is that Beto is still on the books. That's really interesting, because I thought we thought he was going to be one of the hottest properties in Portugal. And there doesn't even really seem to be many strong rumours. So very interesting that he's still there. Some other key players are still there. Elton Morty, Fired Mufi. You know, they've not really sold that many players. A couple of disappointing ones. Koki Anzai has gone back to Japan. Fair enough. I think he, he said he wanted to, to move for his international prospects. Uh, and Denner, the midfielder, who I think has gone off to Saudi Arabia for fair play to uh, probably a well-deserved payday. Yeah, I think um, I was asking go. I think uh, they've got a few... Young midfielders, Lucchini has got to offer a bit more, I think. We saw some glimpses of him last season. I think Lucas Fernandez is going to come back. He was out injured a lot. I think uh, he could be good for them. I think the thing that the impression I get from Porto Menendez, I could be completely wrong because I haven't read too much into it, but I just feel like they're, they run really well as a club. I feel like they, they make smart signings. Um, I've, I think the reason they're not selling better is because they've just simply said, we don't have to. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and, and Beto's obviously been convinced that he can grow from another season. I think. I remember when Benfica strongly rumoured of him. I think uh, the Portimonense manager said, look, Beto realises he's not going to start on that team. And so, like, you know, he, he doesn't need to to force a move yet. So, yeah, massive for them keeping him. And, uh, you know, uh, I think that he could be the difference in keeping them safe the next season, simple as that. I mean, obviously their attention for next season will purely be safety. But I would love to see them just do a little something, you know. I would love to see them push higher at the table because they started so slowly last year. They really were just playing catch-up. There were some positive performances, but there was never any idea that they were going to do anything other than just survive. So, I mean, if I was going to set an ambitious target, I would say try and push up to the top 10. But, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how they do. And, of course, the last team, Barley, outside the relegation spots, Maritimo now, another team with a lot of incomings. 12 as it stands not many household names of course but a couple that stood out to me Andre Vidigal a player who played really well on Lola Estoril last year in the second division I thought he was a good player and that's a smart signing and a player that I still just have a big soft spot Barney man Shadas from Braga he was had so much promise just a few years ago and, and, and I just still love that kind of left-footed playmaker I just feel like if they can get something out of him, I know he's been on loan there before, you know, if they can get something out of him, I would love to see him do well. Well, you know how I'm just said about, you know, if teams make a lot of, uh, you know, buy a lot of players, it's good because they've got a plan in place or it's panic stations. I really feel with Marito is it's because there's a plan in place. And I think Julio Velasquez, you know, he steadied his ship at the end of last season. He kept him out of the relegation battle. Um, and 
you know, big wins against teams, you know, in and around them, which kept them up. And I think he was smart. He obviously targeted those games. And I think the signing of Zadas sort of signifies this quite a lot because I don't know if you disagree with this, but Albert, there's, there was no one in that Burrito squad like Shadas, is, is there? You know, last season, a, a creative player, um, attacking player, someone with pace. There was there was no, and because, you know, they got their whip from the wing backs, uh, good wing backs as well, by the way, Claudio Vink and Marcelo Holmes. But, you know, so I think the signing of Jadas just signifies that Velasquez is looking to do something a little bit different, looking to perhaps play a little bit more expansive because they had this tag of being a very defensive uh, team, didn't they? And I think he might be looking to change that. Yeah, and I think in the in the last few days, we also saw them tie down Jolta go for another year at the club. Yeah. So that's a that's an important bit of business for them because he he ended the season on more goals than Rodrigo Pino. Exactly. So, you know, he, he was he was vital for them. And, and like you, I like the manager. Obviously, they didn't achieve what Family Cow did, but he came in at the same time as either Vieira and Family Cow. They were quite, they were they were almost on quite parallel positions, weren't they, at the bottom of the table? Uh, and he performed a fantastic, great escape with them. So I'll be really interested to see if he can if he can build on that and and uh, get them further on the table. And I just wanted to highlight one more player, Pedro Palacio. Is you know I'm going to watch him so much this season because I think Rafa Suarez was. From Morens was the the young Portuguese midfielder, you know, outside the big three who got his call ups the under twenty ones, you know, received a fair few plaudits and rightly so. But Palacio, I think once Velasquez came in, into the team, you know, he's a, he's a great defensive midfielder, like you know, and you've got to be playing from Rito. But I think it's the attacking side that we got to saw a little more towards the end of the season. You know, he got a, I think he got an assist against Braga. I think you know he was just able to drive them up the pitch, and I think he's a he's he's my tip for a, a young player to keep an eye on. Well, that brings us to the end of our pretty mammoth uh, season preview. Thank you so much for sticking around if you stuck with us this far. Uh, and make sure you stick around until after the break because we've got a really exciting guest coming up who's going to give us some fantastic insight onto the newly promoted teams, Estoril, Vizela and Verica. We don't think you want to miss that. So yeah, don't go anywhere. Well, for the first time in a few years, there will be three new teams in the Primera Liga, Estoril Praia, Vizela and Aruca, who were all promoted from the Segunda Liga and will compete in the Primera Liga this year. To learn more about these teams and what we can expect from them this year, we're delighted to be joined by Jose from Especialistas de Segunda, a website, podcast and now a YouTube channel about everything to do with the Segunda Liga in Portugal. Thank you very much for joining us, Jose. How are you? Hello everyone, um, Albert and Barney, it's just a, ple a pleasure to be here. Uh, I'd like to thank you, first of all, uh, for your invitation. It's very nice that you have remembered our project uh, and your project talk about uh, Portuguese football is very good as well. For those who, doesn't know, who don't know, as, Al as Albert sa <laughs> said, I'm leading a, a project called Chupsalistus Segunda. Uh, a mean of communication fully dedicated to the second league of Portuguese football. Um, and my point is to, to make this, this competition a little bit bigger with more fans and, and all that. As, uh, as Jose says, um, we're delighted that he could be here because we're also big fans of the second division and also of um, lower divisions in general. I've mentioned a few times that I support a team in the English fourth division. So I'm always 
very passionate about um, the lower division. So we're really delighted that that you can join us. Um, and also I'm sure our listeners are because we're eager to learn more about the new teams that we're going to watch this year. Um, the first team that was promoted and the team that were champions of the Segunda Liga were um, Estoril Prior, a team a lot of people already know. They've been in the Primera Liga many times, but this is going to be a new challenge in the first division. So uh, I'm wondering, Jose, what can we expect from this team this year? Well, um, th we can expect a, a team that is very organized, you know, uh, with and without the ball. Uh, the last season, they were far from the others, the best team, I think, in my opinion. Uh, the way they manage their emotions in the game, uh, the way they played against every opponent, even in the Portuguese Cup, you know. Um, that's why they're current champions, because they, they were actually the, the best. They didn't have that player that uh, runs the show, I understand. But as a team, it's uh, it, it was very nice to see, you know. The, they play with possession of the ball from the back, uh, very forward uh, with midfielders involved and uh, it was very nice to see so if they keep the the structure uh, understand uh, and uh, if they buy one or two key players that maybe we'll talk about it uh, more in front and they 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 could uh, they could build something special mm. well shall we talk about transfers then uh, you say maybe they need to buy some players but also, do you think it will be a problem that maybe they lost uh, a couple of or two key players? Uh, the two key players that I think maybe will be a problem is uh, Vidigal and Aziz from last year. I don't think it should be a problem because uh, last season, at the beginning of the season, uh, Sturil had new owners, as you know, and uh, they intend to invest in future. Uh, the choice of Bruno Pinheiro caused some surprises uh, no one was expecting. Uh, he had no experience in football in Portugal, uh, at least. Uh, but they start to, to hiring um, key players like Gamboa or Hugo Gomes that were uh, very reliable to the to the team and um, they start to to play and uh, show the <laughs> show the um, the way they play and other teams of course had also very good moments but they had it more consistently and that's because of these key players they hire so i think this year will will be um, as well uh, very uh, very good work of the scout and uh, they can hire one, two key players. Jose, you mentioned the manager, Bruno Pinheiro, and you've talked about how he's um, never managed in Portugal before. Do you think that will give him a little bit of an edge in the Premier League? With, does he sort of play, does he set out his team differently to, you know, other Portuguese managers who have, uh, you know, built their career in these, in these leagues? Um, I think it would be, um, a different experience for them, but um, they they have already very other experiences. So uh, it will it wouldn't be uh, something different to him because uh, from the first league to the second league there are no not much differences. Uh, it's uh, we have less space. The the most tactical the most technical players the most creative players they don't have uh, that uh, that space 
uh, in especially in midfield to play, but um, in the the first league, uh, <laughs> there are the bad, the the best players. If you lose the ball in the first league, uh, almost ninety percent there there is a goal. You have no chance. In second division, is not like that statistically. So I think that would be the the most uh, difference between one league and another. Mm. From what from what you're saying, uh, you seem very positive about Estoril. Um, it sounds like they have good scouts, good manager, and good players. Um, do you think there are any weaknesses that they have? Maybe something that uh, will mean there could be some problems. Uh, from what I've watched last season, um, sometimes I think they 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 are not very fast playing. And uh, they just tried to avoid that the game turns alive again. You know, they score the first and then uh, they become more expectant and they couldn't go, uh, they couldn't let the, the opponents marking and the most technical players, as I said, like Zavolin, Crespo, uh, they were constantly marked and the fullbacks uh, must do more because in the center, it's full, so they must go. They must play wide, and that should be a problem. I don't know if they hire uh, one two players for the the wings, and I think the players like that solve the game themselves. Okay, I think that's that's uh, something to do. Well, we saw two interesting signings already, both players who played at Rio Ave last year, uh, Francisco Gerardes and. Recently, only yesterday, I think they signed Ryotaro Mashino, the Japanese winger uh, from Manchester City. So maybe those will be positive players. Um, the name Crespo. Now, this is a player that a lot of people are talking about. It seems that a lot of people are excited. Um, what kind of player is he? Why is he so popular these days? Well, um, he's, it's a box-to-box, you know. Um, actually work around the best player in second league 2020-2021 and that shows something uh, he's very good with the ball he's very clever uh, receives the ball and progress with it um, has vision forward and he's very strong mentally so it would, it, it's fundamental the way they play it's uh, a key player to connect the defensive line with the with the attack basically is that is a very great player. Do you? There was rumours he would potentially move to Braga. Do you think he would be able to make that step up to a team that big? Uh, first of all, I think um, to the to that happened would be for a a good transfer fee. I think, mm. <laughs> um, and yes, I think. Uh, he's, he's ready to to play on, on the bigger clubs in Portugal, and I and I with big I, I say Benfica, Sporting, or Porto. Mm. My mm. opinion. Very interesting. Well, there seems to be a lot of positivity around uh, Estoril. We can move on to Vizela, uh, the team that finished second in the table. Um, I think Vizela are one of the teams I'm most excited to watch. Uh, I think it is their first time in the Primera Liga in maybe 30 years, uh, maybe more. Um, they were promoted twice in two years. Uh, it's a really impressive story. There's not loads of money. Uh, there's not really big star players. So uh, maybe you can help us understand how this happened and why this team have such an incredible story. It seems like a real surprise. 
Yes, um, it all starts with the people who, who are in charge in the club. You know, they have built some, uh, a structure very, very good. Uh, the scouting, very interesting. So, and um, the fans helped a lot. Uh, the connection between the players, uh, the locker room was something amazing. And um, in the pitch, they were, for me, the best team I've seen the last season. A very intense, aggress aggressive, with and without the ball, but not nasty, just in positive way uh, to push. And they win the second ball and try to go behind with a big energy. Um, so I think with that, that positivity, that energy they put in every game, every game is the game of their lives, uh, that catch some more people to watch every game. I think was that basically their manager Alvaro Pacheco. He won the best manager of the year last year award. How much of that style of football is is down to him? Almost everything. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> every game the people were watching the the pitch, but uh, in much time you were looking to to the bench because. <laughs> Uh, the big energy I talked about, he put that that pressure on the team, he put that energy on the team uh, from the bench. It was always ah, in the bench. And that was, was very nice to see. So I think he's a, a great manager. In the winter, uh, I would say, uh, the Mercado de Janeiro. Uh, uh, the transfer market. In the, is that, exactly. Everyone, like two or three teams, want Alvaro Pacheco. Mm, okay. okay. And that says a lot about his work. And only have fear and everyone. Uh, and that's, I think it's very, very great manager, really. Um, Jose, one player I'm, I'm dying to see and I cannot wait to see in the, uh, in the Premier Liga is uh, Cassiano, the Brazilian striker. I saw he had 17 goals last season, but he's 32 years old, but he seems, still seems to be able to do it. Do you think he'll play a big part in, in, for the Brazilian next season? Uh, Cassiano has already been at the first league, I think, in Boa Vista, right? Um, but yeah, it, last year he was maybe the, the most, uh, maybe the best player of them because he scores goals, he makes the difference. So, um, it's it's it has the, pot the potential to be one of the, the goal scorers of the league. Uh, for me, the best player of his last season, uh, were. Uh, Kiko Bondos. The way they go to one player to other, he pass, he run, he is very smart too. Okay, and for me, it's the the, the most unbalanced player um, last season. Then you have you have also Rafael Guz, a very balanced team. He, he made the team play better uh, when he gets when he start playing. He made he made the team plays better. He reads the game before the others. Okay, uh, he act before the others, and he has a very good shot, you know. So it's one of the the players that you you have to pay to pay attention last the, the next season. It's interesting that they went from the third division to the second division, and were still one of the best teams. They managed to get promoted in one season. They're now going to go straight into the first division. Do you think that will maybe be? one level too far or do you think they can again this season raise their level to match the Premier League uh, let's see I think <laughs> uh, if they want to build something special 
as they did last season. Uh, they need to improve the defensive line. They le- uh, Mateus Costa left the club. He was very good. Aidara um, is a very good central back, one of the best last season, but he's still getting fit and they start uh, with very difficult games this season. Okay, The first games are really tough for them and uh, that will, uh, I think, could change what they can do this season. You know, um, other problem would be maybe uh, that aggressive. I talked to you uh, some minutes ago in second league. Okay, maybe worked in first league. Uh, I don't know. I don't know uh, because it's it's lots of pressure, the media and everyone. And that could not work. Let's see. Uh, but if they they want to to keep that winning mentality and push the every game the the defensive line of the opponent uh, 30 meters in front as they did last season uh, they need uh, that rhythm that energy and I, I didn't see that in the first game as i said i think vizela are one of the teams i'm really excited to watch i think they're going to be one of the most interesting teams uh, in the division this year. The last team, of course, that was promoted uh, was Aruka. Now, maybe you disagree, but I thought this was a, a surprise. Uh, first, because the uh, playoff, I thought the Primera Liga team would win very easily. Uh, but of course, they didn't. We watched those two fantastic games against Rio Ave when Aruka won 3 0 uh, and 2 0. Other than that, I think they're the team I know least about. They were a big surprise for me. Um, but, well, maybe you can tell us more about them. Were you surprised that they won the playoff? Of course. Uh, from what to, uh, we watch uh, around the Europe with other championships, um, often the, the team that um, that's the first league team wins. <laughs> that's, that's, that happens every year. Um, and they they win they win well and uh, they smash revive you know <laughs> and that's that's obviously surprised but uh, I think they were they are a very smart team okay that understands when to make some moves or when to make other moves and they stay very comfortable with every decisions they take you know um, so sometimes they walk back and hang in there and wait for the opponent to, to attack and other times they, they press high but that balance between one tank and other I think is what make them the, made them the best defense um, in last season they, they uh, almost 25 goals I, I guess something like that, like that. Uh, in attack they are also a very interesting team they play a lot in the outside with the fullbacks wide open and the wingers on the inside to look for combinations around the, the, the penalty box is right uh, so I think we, we have to we have to be um, to pay attention to this team because they will surprise certainly uh, next season yeah, well, they, they certainly surprised Rio Ave. You mentioned <laughs> you mentioned they had the best defence in the league last season. Exactly. What, play, what players are to thank for that? Is, is, is the goalkeeper a fantastic goalkeeper or the, is there anyone in the back line? 
Sema Avalashkes um, did a very good job, you know. When they he, he, he went for the club in, uh, I think January. But uh, f- since then, the club were very, very good at defense. I think, um, but collectively, most collectively, not one player. Uh, maybe in attack, one, two players, but uh, when they are defending, uh, we're not just one. Vitor Braga made a very good season, very good season. But um, the, if you if you ask me one player uh, that I like the most, I'll tell you Leandro Silva. Uh, even though uh, they had players like uh, Arsenio, Bukia, Velasquez, as I told you, uh, with already uh, experience in first league. The truth is that um, Leandro Silva is the great balance point um, and with the experience he has uh, at the first league, I think he could be a, a key player. They they lost one of the best players, uh, which was Ofori, in the, especially in, in contra-attacks and uh, keeping the, the possession of the ball. And um, let's see what happens. But I, I think he, were, he, is, he were and he is the key player, Leandro Silva. When I looked at the statistics for Aruka last season, I saw that they don't have one player scoring all the goals. It seems like there are lots of players scoring six, seven, eight goals in the season. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Um, maybe going into the the top division with without one key player who can score lots of goals, do you think that will be an issue? Um, I don't think so, but uh, I think they need to uh, to hire one two players with capacity of uh, the rhythm of the others. That's for me essential. Um, then they need as well uh, defensive midfield with some more experience. You tell me, oh, they have Pedro Moreira. That's right, uh, as experience at Rioave, for example, but. Uh, the, the second player for that position is Mark Schwarz with 37 years. So they need a player like in, a, in the twilight of his career. Understand? <laughs> and um, but f- uh, your question about the the player who doesn't score all the goals, um, I think uh, I think they they don't have that player, but they have very key players. Uh, for example, Arsenio. He joined the squad and he starts score goals and uh, uh, victories for one goal, and he scored the goal. Other example, Mauro Caballero uh, didn't score much goals, but he was there when the, when it was needed in Cova da Piedad, I remember. For example, uh, Andres Silva, not much goals, but uh, in free kicks scored two or three. So uh, not uh, they, did, they didn't score much goals, but in the right moments, they were there. And I think that makes the difference, and that's why they won uh, the last nine games, the last eleven games, because they feel sometimes they they feel that okay, we can we can win this, we can go. And at the when they were missing just five or six matches, um, they were like uh, seven or five points above the the promotion place. That says a lot. Well, I think we've got a very good picture of of those three teams we'll have to get you on again to talk more about the segunda division but i do have uh maybe just quickly you can give us an idea of what you're looking forward to in the segunda liga this year because i know a lot of our listeners have 
uh, and interest. So, you know, I'm very interested in Rio Ave, for example, made a lot of very good signings. And it seems yes. like it's going to be a very competitive league where it's very going to be very difficult to, to be promoted. Uh, well, uh, first of all, the, the second league has increased its quality and competitive one year after another. Uh, it's such great that uh, something like that happened. Uh, let's see. In first league, as I said, are players with uh, better quality, but the mistake pays much more daily. Uh, at this second division, you have less space, as I mentioned before, but there are a little more opportunities to make mistakes. Um, this year will be competitive, as always, I, I, I guess. Uh, we'll, we'll always have the teams that go down and the next season they remain favorites to go up as you, you mentioned, Rio Ave, Farens I think um, this year are going to, to standing out from the picture, Rio Ave and Farens it's pretty obvious um, they kept a large part of the squad uh, they, they have first league players with experience of first league for instance, lost Ryan Gold, lost Mastavars, but they continue to be a very right and very dangerous team with a very physical midfield, which is very important at this uh, Liga Sapseg. Um, Riwav has a very good coach and uh, has a good composition as well. So I think they are, of course, the, the favorites to the, um, to the promotion. A little bit lower down, we have uh, Nacional, which, is also, uh, which has also great players. Uh, coached by Costinha, um, I think they will have uh, good uh, defense, you know. Uh, and you will tell me, oh, you're crazy. Costinha coached this now <laughs> when they're faced by Fica and lost 10 nil. <laughs> I know that, but but they also coach Nacional when they kept one of the best defenses in the, in the second league, the crown champions, and the best defense in second league with Academica. So I think they, they might have some good defense this season as well. Um, we have other teams like uh, Ferenc, Chaves, Academica that can get in the, 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 the title race, uh, but I don't know them uh, yet. You know, I, I haven't seen much games. The players, I don't have much knowledge about it. I think they are very young. Uh, maybe it's not this year, okay? And then we have Penafiel and Vorzin that I think they should play like underdogs, you know. Um, looking, forward, looking forward for what happened and when they have the chance to, to win uh, five, six games in a row, I think they will do it. And then where they are one or two points clear from the top, I think they will remain there and they will do their jobs. Um, but this is basically that. I, I, I can include this fight, included in this fight, the Academica Chaves Eferense, but I don't think they are, as I said, uh, favourites. You'll have to come on again in a few weeks, maybe, and we can talk about the, the Segunda Liga when there's a better idea of which teams are the strongest uh, and which teams. It would be a pleasure. Well, look, we want to say thank you very much for, for your time because uh, you've taught us a lot about the three new teams who will be joining us in the Primera Liga. Um, do you want to, before we go, remind people of where they can they can follow your work? Yeah, um, you can find Especialistas de Segunda in Twitter. Okay, um, we can also find us uh, at other social media, 
uh, as well, especialistas de segunda, and like Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, <laughs> and uh, everywhere, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I can only say thank you, thank you for inviting me. Um, it was just a pleasure to be here. Um, and whenever you want, you just send me a message and I will be here. If you like me, of course, <laughs> I have much pleasure in being here and talking about Portuguese football and second division uh, mm -hmm. in particular. Well, I'm sure we'll have another conversation very soon. Thank you so much, Jose. Thank you. Thank you. All right, well, that really does bring us to the end of this year's long ball football season preview show. I don't know about you, Barney, but I think that was an awful lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> it was massive, wasn't it? I wasn't expecting to be with it. And that's the thing that it was a bit of a joy to do, wasn't it? So it didn't feel like proper work. It was a labour of love, definitely. Well, I'm sure it was a, a bit of hard work for our listeners as well. So if you listen to the whole thing, uh, we're really grateful. I hope there was uh, some valuable uh, information on there. We do just want to say again, uh, a massive thanks to Jose for joining us. Um, he mentioned before we started recording that he was a little bit nervous about doing it in English. I think it was probably his first interview in English. So we're very grateful that he uh, that he did that with us. And, and I think he was brilliant. I think he was uh, so knowledgeable, man. Uh, we're really grateful, great, grateful to him and lucky to have him on. Yeah, the guy certainly knows his stuff. Um, I always feel very appreciative when someone can speak a different language, you know, mm. to accommodate me. Um, but yeah, man, he was great. I know we've got to get him on again. I want to dig a bit deeper into the second division. Well, yeah, watch this space because second division content is something you want to do a little bit more of. So uh, we'll see what we can do uh, in the future. Well, look, that's about it. I mean, we're not going to rattle along because we've been here long enough. Um, we'll be back next week. Obviously, this weekend sees the return of the Premier League finally. So next week, we will be back to our traditional format uh, of game reviews, transfer news and all the rest. Barney, you looking forward to it? can't wait man it feels like i'm ready now i'm, I'm yeah. certainly ready for it um looking forward to just just chatting the shit <laughs> <laughs> about 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 this league man yeah Get back to it well said i think that's what we do best well <laughs> let, let's leave that there if you've enjoyed the show we would really appreciate if you could leave a little review on apple Podcasts, leave us a little rating send it to a mate or to be honest if you enjoyed it that's enough for us uh, and we'll see you again next week thanks so much Barney let's do it again next time yeah thanks man see you later <laughs>